Hello and welcome to Roundtable number nine of Dualist Unity. I am relaxed and relaxing more and more into the recognition that I don't have to be anything other than what I am for myself or anyone else. And I am downright rubbery. I got to admit, it's kind of like a, a long week of practicing Kung Fu, where by the end of that week, your muscles are so done that you're doing great. You're very fluid and everything is going really well, but it's because you've got no, no tension left in you. There's nothing left to resist. And I feel very much that way after this week, this first week of full-time dualistic unity, admittedly, every day being able to have this conversation for hours and hours and hours. The retreat was much more of a marathon for sure, but this week has been just amazing. I find the last two days I have been so relaxed in every conversation, and it's because very much like training in Kung Fu, you just kind of work all the tension out. By the time you're done, it's gone. And so I'm really looking forward to the next couple of days that we're going to have off coming back to season four as of Sunday. Everybody who's listening, please do check out the new live and group discussion schedule on our website at dualisticunity.com. We are live from Sunday to Thursday every week, and we would love to engage with you and speak with you. That all said, I have one last announcement, which is, of course, that we have another retreat coming up on April 1st. Currently, the tickets are only available on Patreon, but they will be publicly available as of December 23rd on the website. So keep an eye out for that. And if you have any questions, do get in touch with us. Feel free to ask. We love to talk about it. Now that that's all done, let's get back to the roundtable where we have two guests that I am very excited to have on the show. One of which, Dues, is a moderator on our Dualistic Unity Community Discord. He's been one of our longest supporters in the community and one of the most active voices on the Discord. He's often in our group discussions and we know that he always has insight to offer and stories to share as well as questions to ponder. So we're very excited to have him on with us as well. Otto who you will know from TikTok as Atomic Zero, is that correct? Yeah. So if you haven't checked out his content as yet, I definitely recommend that you do. It's a rare gem on TikTok in that it comes from a place of honest curiosity and clarity to the best of his ability. He's honest in his journey and he's more or less just trying to work it out with you as you to the best that he can. And so I'm very happy to have both of these individuals I say individual, almost tongue-in-cheek there, but I'm very happy to have you both on the show. Um, we'll start with Dues. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came to the path? I know asking you to tell me about yourself is a little funny, but tell me why that's funny. Yeah, no, this is great. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I've called into a few of the lives. It's usually kind of hard for me to kind of connect just because, you know, full-time job, kids, you know, and so... Um, Thanks for being flexible on the time, by the way. I know we had to move it up a little bit just to satisfy myself. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I uh, I guess my name's Dues. I can go into the the reason for, you know, why the name. Names for me are kind of a, a play toy in a way. And in general, really, you know, don't necessarily mean anything. So one name is as good as another. So uh, I go by Dues on most social medias. Um, and like Ray said, very active on the Dualistic Unity Discord, you've probably seen a lot of smart-ass comments from me or, or random stories. Um, so I just like to share my own experience, as it were. Uh, you know, about 36 years on this planet. So 
I've got some stories to tell. Um, I don't have any answers, but I've got stories. <laughs> um, and so the way, the way that I like to kind of pose myself anyways, is not, not a guru, not anybody that knows anything at all. It's just, I'm a guide, you know, I'm a, I'm a, you know, someone you find on the trail that, you know, tells you, Hey, you're almost there, you know, even though I'm lying. Um, and so just kind of, you know, having fun with it and playing with it. And so, um, in general, yeah, like I said, I'm, uh, my background is more on the science side. I come kind of from an interesting background compared to maybe some of the others on the, on the discord or in the community. Um, I kind of circumvented around the religious aspect. Um, I didn't really grow up in a religious household. Um, but I did adopt, you know, you know, science as a religion, if, if, if you can consider it that, you know, a belief system. And so it is really what led me to question things and just start to explore all the things that we don't know, you know, as opposed to all the things that we do know. Um, and so a lot of, you know, I do make a few videos here and there on TikTok. Um, it's definitely not my, not my forte and not really what I want to do as a full-time, you know, person, human on this planet. Um, I'm just looking for a conversation. So the only reason I really make videos is just to find others like us that want to talk, you know, one-to-one. -one. Um, and so I, uh, yeah, so that's, that's me in general. Um, I've got, you know, a few kids and, and a wife and a full-time job. And so this for me is just fun. I like to play and, you know, I don't seek to get anything out of it other than, you know, selfishly my own, you know, rewards as, as I come across new, do trinkets and treasures of the uh, of the cosmic and the you know of the other worlds of that that be so yeah excited to talk to today. I love the intention that you mentioned there that the reason for creating content, if you want to call it that, it's really just expressing yourself is to see who else out there is resonating with that expression and who wants to engage on that level. That's exactly why we do this. Typically, it's just that we're putting more and more into this because there are a lot of us out there that don't know this conversation is happening in public at all. We still think that it's happening in the shadows in the corners where people can't judge us or burn us at the stake, right? So it's really nice that that is the intention behind what you're doing because that's what's making it work. That's what's actually engaging people. You're not coming from on high because that has a toxic effect and we know that. So before I go any further into that, we're going to get over to Otto. Otto. Again, thank you for being here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the fiction of you or whichever version you'd like to share with us today and uh, we'll see where we go from there. Yeah, uh, interesting. I don't even know where it begins or where it ends, but um, my sort of TikTok uh, journey, uh, I, I hadn't been on social media until about a year and a half ago at all, not Facebook, not anything. I mean, I watched YouTube, but I didn't produce anything. and so. I and I was a I was a Franciscan in a non-denominational community uh, for many years. I, be, I was a priest. I lived in Israel on an archaeology site, um, and that's where I had sort of a what I can best describe as an awakening. Uh, I, I woke up. I got slapped with a wet noodle, and it kind of changed how I saw the world drastically. Um, I definitely went through a deconstruction process, um, but interestingly. I didn't come from like, I know a lot of people that have kind of deconstructed from a very, maybe like some toxic uh, religion in many ways. And for me, my faith was really gentle and beautiful and open. And, and yet still it became a box that was just a little bit too small for how I wanted to stretch out and expand. 
And so I don't quite have the same angst as a lot of people that have maybe come out of some deconstruction things. And I came back to the States, um, kind of just was so melty that I just couldn't, couldn't hang with ordinary society in many ways, um, but eventually kind of organized myself enough and kind of consciously chose to a little bit fall back asleep or just kind of go with the flow a little bit. Um, and, and then during uh, the beginning of COVID, I just had a little bit more time. I continued a little bit of reflection, self-reflection, but it was all internal. I, I was very in my own inner verse. I wasn't really, I didn't really come across too many people that were, was hanging or swimming in the waters I was swimming in. And then I just kind of went wide awake again during coronavirus, had a, a lot of really interesting experiences. And then, um, and then suddenly I started to, I, I would dream things or have, wake, have these waking visions. Innerverse was one, which led me to a podcast, which led me to Telegram, which led me to different people having interesting conversations, which eventually led me to TikTok. And I was like, what in the world is this? I had, I had kind of resistance to, uh, I don't know. I don't even know what, just some idea of that maybe there wasn't aliveness happening and then it was all shallow and and, and this and that and suddenly I was like oh my god this is incredible and and I got and I got hooked my first video I think there's a sticker over my face I didn't even want to acknowledge that who I was or anything and then after a while I'm literally pouring out everything I got just just to see who it connects with and really interesting in how the connection takes place and different people pop on and are interested in just whatever my world is and, and watching the algorithm, like bring the people that feel the same way. And it's like, wow, this is fascinating. You can connect really deeply with humans um, through this interesting thing that I don't even know what in the world it is just by pushing a few buttons on a phone. And suddenly I'm in some amazing human beings world who has had maybe very similar or synchronistic or type experiences. And and you can then connect really deeply with someone where for, yeah, tens of years just didn't have those kind of deep connections. And now, I mean, that's how uh, Dues and I met. Um, I came across you guys. I didn't have a lot of connection with you guys. You guys are, are, are busy in a lot of ways. Uh, uh, but a lot of other humans that was just just these amazing connections. I, I didn't know so many people thought so similarly uh, in, in a non-dualistic or whatever you want to call it way. And it was a lot of fun to, to, to connect. So that's my story up to this point, more or less. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's funny, the stigmas that come with the ideas we hold on to about certain things and being able to recognize that, Oh, this isn't actually what I thought. And I, I like that you shared that initially with TikTok, you had that sticker video covered your face up, didn't want maybe didn't want people, you know, finding out that you were on there. And I did the same exact thing. My my first name when I joined TikTok was Randy Dufresne. It was like this alter ego kind of nickname that I had in college. And then eventually started getting some more followers. And I was like, yeah, I should probably just use my name. And then eventually it was like holding on to that as Andrew. And then it was sort of recognizing, oh, maybe, you know, maybe this isn't what I am either, rather than hiding the idea that I thought I was, it was then recognizing that 
also that idea that I thought I was maybe isn't exactly what I am either. And, and recognizing the character, the inherent character that that is, then, you know, my name became not Andrew Renane, and then there'll probably be more progressions or to how raises, you know, transcending me or coalition for you. It's, it's a deepening of the recognition that's reflected through, you know, the actions that we take and the, the characters we portray and whatnot. Um, an initial question I have for Otto, I didn't realize that you were a priest in a past life. I'm super curious about that. And you mentioned that your faith was gentle. I think I, I resonate with that a lot. I wasn't ever really deeply rooted in Catholicism, though I was nominally Catholic, went to Catholic middle school and high school. My family's never super into it, so I never felt this intense shedding of it. But at the same time, when I recognized the distortion to a further and further degree, it was like, ooh, that doesn't, I don't quite fit this name anymore. And and so I'm curious about your experience of, of moving past that and how difficult potentially that was. And then your recognition of, of some of the deeper things, if that was more of a process or if there was, you know, some starker experiences that you recognize that made you think like, oh, I'm, I don't fit into this anymore. Yeah. Um, in a lot of ways, my path was more gentle where there, there definitely was in that sort of first awakening, a, 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 an ego death of sorts. Um, you know, all these terms get a little bit muddy, but like, um, it, it was, it was a beautiful faith. Uh, the way that I held it, it was loose. Um, to me, even Francis, who was the, kind of who we were following as Franciscans, uh, was a human that was sort of just fell in love with the idea of God and the world and loved nature and loved, you know, it, it wasn't like he was a Catholic, like there was nothing else to be then, you know, he just like loved, loved nature and loved. And again, even God was just this kind of concept. And, um, and he lived a simple life and he just wanted to show how beautiful being alive is. And so that's what resonated with me so much. Um, and we kind of lived it in a way that was, that was really beautiful. It was soft. We lived spiritual vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, not, not like physical vows in that way. And so it was very contemplative, um, you know, and there's so many ways in which I don't think I even left or abandoned my sort of my priesthood or whatever but i feel more like i fulfilled it and like i'm still living it out in so many ways um in the way that to me you know it's like there's there's the perspective of like no one is a guru but then there's the perspective of everyone's a guru there's the perspective of no one's a priest and there's a perspective that everyone's a priest and to me that's what even a lot of the scriptures speak of is like there'll be a day when we're all kings and priests you know as opposed to like you know, there's not one, it's not like I am and you're not, it's like, we are all of it or none of it or whatever. And, and a lot of it for me in my relationship with how I feel about Jesus is just like someone that recognized that he's one with the cosmos, that he's a son of God. And, and from the perspective of the culture that he was in, how do you express that with words? He, is he going to express it the way that you and I can express it today? Of course not, because he was coming out of the culture and using the words that he was using. And so he would say things like, of course, I'm, I'm a son of God. And doesn't scripture say we're not all the children of God? Like, I don't see him as saying, I'm God and you're not. I don't see that in his words. I think we've, we've added to that for various reasons and for dominance and all of this and that and the other. But I don't think that was ever his story. 
Um, I mean, he even says things like greater works will you do than these. And so I think the story of him, you know, I think he would easily hang on this podcast and really enjoy himself uh, talking about these things and would have loved to have some people that could kind of hang. And that's kind of how I felt for a while um, after my awakening is just not finding anyone that, that was kind of where I was. I found, I came across Alan Watts and I came across a couple philosophers and different things that weren't living or if they were, I couldn't quite, you know, get an audience with them or connect with them, you know, recently after my, my perspective shift and um, almost uh, watching your journey, what little I have, uh, Andrew was like kind of jealous of you to have found Ray and kind of connected with someone in some regards, you know, it's a different me, a different path. And I love mine, but in ways that I was jealous of, of Andrew uh, uh, or of Ray to, to have someone to, interact with, you know, and, and I remember at a certain point, you know, I was watching you guys of like, dang, these guys are kind of right where I'd like to be in certain ways. But, but that aspect of me, that's like, but I love that they're doing it. And now that area is covered. And now I can go over here and, and dance and play over here uh, in a different area. Um, and so that's kind of fun too, but uh, I love what you guys do. And yeah, <laughs> I don't know if that answered your question, but hopefully it came close. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. it all. It all resonates. Absolutely. And yeah, now it's, it's all super interesting to hear about, especially coming from that perspective is yeah. Fascinating. And I'm excited. I've been excited for this discussion and it's just reinforcing that excitement. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I do want to ask because as dues, as you were saying, you're more on the science side of things. And I know the two of you had have, have had conversations previous to this, uh, how do you find it is? Because you've participated in discussions about spirituality and religion and belief and whatnot on Discord, and you've been in plenty of these conversations. How are you finding the journey to reconcile the scientific or, or, or let's say what we consider currently to be the scientific viewpoint of the universe versus some of the more metaphysical or, or symbolic things that we're talking about here? Not necessarily like, you know, zombie Jesus or any of that, but, you know, the, the actual exploration of unity the exploration of the ego and, and and how it's kind of well we were talking about this in the uh the recent nobel peace prize award about how awareness and the universe are tied hand in hand that has to be just incredibly uh similar to the conversation of, of man's relationship with god so i'm super curious about your perspective on that and how you two have managed to find some middle ground between your two perspectives yeah so I guess my relationship with science and religion, um, in some ways it feels like a skipping rock, you know, just looking back through my childhood, even though I wasn't into religion necessarily, I had a lot of friends that were, you know, I live in the, in the Bible belt and, you know, at least the, the Northern half maybe. Um, and so I've been to a lot of churches, I've experienced a lot of things and, you know, heard what they're all saying and, you know, I'm like, well, that's interesting. But I always felt like an observer, not, you know, an active participant. And so I took it all in um, at the time, not knowing that it would culminate into something else, you know, as all things do. But over time, you know, I just gravitated towards mathematics and science. And, you know, when you're young, you know, you think you know everything and you, you have certain notions as to what science is. And there's a certain point where you get hung up on it a little bit. And scientism, you know, people see it as, as a religion, like, well, this is the way it is, you know. It's, it's set in stone. And 
that couldn't be further from the truth. Science is about questioning things. It's about constantly questioning things, even the questioning of the questioning. And so what I got to find as I got deeper and deeper into it um, is just that, you know, as you're, as you're studying these different topics and, you know, inside and outside of school, you know, you find different interests. It's sort of like you're, you're standing on, you know, a football field and you can see the whole field in front of you and the stadium and everything. But as you get closer, you know, narrow and narrower into a specialty, you know, suddenly you can't see the stands anymore. You can only see in front of you. And so then, but you get a higher granularity to what you do see. And eventually to the point where you're seeing a single row of grass, you know, blades of grass down the middle. And so then when you're asked the question of, well, you know, this is what you see. How do you know what, you know, one blade of grass over looks like? A lot of people want to say, well, it looks just like mine. Well, <laughs> you can't be for certain of that. And in fact, there's, you won't find a single scientific paper out there that claims 100% certainty of anything. You know, 95% confidence is typically what you'll see from a statistical standpoint. And so as I started realizing th these things, and, you know, I didn't necessarily intend on kind of coming across this from a spiritual standpoint, you know, it was always just, you know, ask another question. There's always another secret. Ask another question. And it just got to the point where people didn't know the answer. The answer wasn't out there. And so, you know, if you're looking out there and you're like, well, nobody has the answer. Everybody's ignoring the nuance between the two. And, you know, I, I, the, the idea I've been playing with a lot lately that's kind of resonated is just this idea of paradoxes and the language of paradoxes. And you can't, a lot of people don't see that. They want either A or B. They want the right answer or the wrong answer. And there's, there's an infinite number of divisions between those. And in fact, there's no division at all. There's a continuum. You know, as humans, we like to quantize things and get it into these nice little packets that we can see. And so over time of this questioning, you know, of course, I, I delved into the religion. Like, well, maybe they're on to something that, you know, uh, you know, reading certain texts or, you know, summaries of which. And like, no, that's, that's too literal. You know, that doesn't, you know, from a scientific standpoint, a lot of this doesn't make sense. But if you twist it a little bit and look at it from an abstract standpoint, you start to you know, if, if reality is this giant statue in front of all of us and we're all seeing just a sliver of it, you kind of take a little step to the right and you can see it from a whole new, different angle. And so it wasn't really until I, I had my own experience, you know, call it spiritual, call it, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, after, say, a long period of, you know, depression and anxiety and all these things, again, over, over COVID, of course, you know, that shook up everybody's lives. You know, it just it just rattles your brain to the point where you start to question everything even more. And it wasn't until I had an experience myself personally that just kind of lit up all the circuits all at once. And I was like, wow, like you can't describe this. Like I, can't, I, I went a year without telling anybody because I hadn't I didn't have the words to put it into. But at the same time, in my mind, I realized that if I even attempted to, I was putting it in a box. And then I was going to cut myself off from what I experienced. And so that was a year before I found you guys, actually. And so it wasn't until, um, so, you know, I stumbled across non-duality. And yeah, like, like Otto said, you know, Alan Watts and the like. Um, but then I came across one of Ray's videos. And just, again, it was like a light bulb moment. Like, wow, this guy, this guy gets it. <laughs> and I did something that I don't normally do. I emailed you and I said, where can I get more of this? Like. <laughs> 
and he's like, oh, we got a Discord, and we just started a podcast. I think it was, I meant to look this up beforehand. It was maybe, a, I think you were four episodes in, maybe. Um, and then the thing that I heard in my mind during this, you know, this otherworldly experience um, that some may attribute to religion, some may attribute to supernatural, I just know what I experienced. It, you know, people can invalidate it all day long, but I know what I experienced. I just saw it for what it was. Didn't try to even attempt to label it. But one of the one of the phrases that came to me was, "I am here now." Like that was it. And to me, it was more than just you know four words. It was an infinite number of meanings between each word and within each word, and it just spiraled out and fractaled out into all these different things. And uh, you know that was two two years ago, I think. Um, and one of the first things I think it was you, Ray, that said in the first episode was you uttered that exact same phrase. And I was outside, you know, I'm, I'm, I was in the process of building a house and I was outside in the garage working on something. And I literally stopped what I was doing and just kind of sat down for like 30 minutes <laughs> while the rest of the episode continued. But that, that phrase just kept echoing in my mind, like, what the fuck is this? Like, and that's when, so up until this point, I hadn't really paid attention to the uh, uh, synchronicities, as, you know, I think a lot of people call it. Didn't really pay attention to it. You know, I knew of deja vu and coincidences and things like that. But it was at that point, it kind of like something clicked for me. Like, you need to pay attention to what's going on around you, and you'll see something. And so ever since then, I kept an eye out for it. And I've lost count the number of times that things just line up a little bit too conveniently to be merely a coincidence. And so, yeah, going back to the Nobel Prize uh, that you mentioned in terms of quantum entanglement and things like that, that kind of resulted in, we can talk about that more, but that resulted into a lot of different visualizations in my mind um, as far as what that might mean and how that relates back to maybe what I experienced or what I we all are experiencing. But this, this idea of uh, synchronicities was a communication tool, I guess, for me and universe, because um, it was it was almost playful in a way, and uh, you know, you, you ask questions and it answers in ways, you know, and and maybe I'm looking too much into it, but I don't really care. It's fun, you know, <laughs> and it's not like I'm you know dictating my entire life based on these things either. You know, I'm not you know going to buy a lottery ticket because I had a a, a certain Thing land you know that that happened that day it's just oh it, just having fun with it and it's just been a it's been a blast and then coming across more people you know like Otto and the whole dualistic community you know just it's been it's been really fascinating it's almost like you know from a from a scientific or engineering standpoint it's like a feedback loop in a way so I could only get so far on my own it wasn't until I was put into this this network as a as a sort of node that would kind of interact with everything around me. Then there was this feedback loop that develops as I would say something, it would spiral out and then people would say things back and that would result into different thoughts that I didn't have before. And so it doesn't it has nothing to do with science or religion or anything. It's just experience. And so there's this there's this other layer in between everything, you know, that people tend to ignore is that you don't have to be religious if you're not science, you know, if you're not into science or vice versa, it's just, it all just is. We just make these words up and it's just play how you want to play, you know, choose your own adventure <laughs> in a lot of ways. Like just do what you want to do and, you know, stop, stop the judgment in a lot of ways. And so 
not, you know, I know you're not judging, but like, there's just, there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, I, I identify intentionally as a, a, a person of science, but at the same time, you know, that's kind of a surface level kind of observation. And so, yeah, I, I only by the nature of what my experience is and what I've learned so far and the, my method of thinking, that's, you know, kind of what's led me to be, you know, that type of person, but it's given me a different view on things that I don't think I would have had otherwise. You know, I don't know that I would have even quote unquote awakened had I not had that mentality because that is what led me to what I experienced. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, dude. This, this call is getting kind of trippy for me right now, especially you going back to, to coming across Ray for the first time. And I'm like, fuck, it's been, you know, a year and, you know, three months or whatever. And now we're doing this on this call. And we got, you know, dues on here has been a part of our discord for so long and fucking talking about all this super interesting stuff. And it it's funny how the more you recognize these things, the less the labels really matter like you see them for what they are whether it's science or the recognition of unity like i really see those two and people getting caught up in the in the belief side of science as very similar to the belief in non-duality or the belief in unity it becomes another thing that you can latch onto as a part of your identity that adds to it as opposed to recognizing that you know, there may not be so many answers. There may not be so many things to settle on. And, and so I see science is very much just a recognition of the lack of the answers. And so that becomes more the recognition of what science actually is as a way to, you know, measure things, but never settle. And yet we've gotten to a point where we've begun to settle more and more upon these answers as, as because we begin to identify as, you know, a scientific person or whatever. And it's the same with the recognition of unity. It's like you can recognize that, but it doesn't add to you because as you cause it to add to you or, or you latch onto it as an addition to the idea of yourself, it's like, how are you experiencing unity or actually recognizing the reality of it at the same time? And so with with the science side of it, uh, have there been times throughout your journey with that? I know you kind of touched on it already where you've kind of gone up against a like scientific idea that you've held inside of you and, and been able to let that go. And it's sort of deepened your recognition of maybe the unity side of it and being able to see it more so as a tool, but have there been, I guess I'm just curious, like if there have been experiences where, you've more or less attached to the scientific side a little bit. And as you've let that go more and more, you've actually recognized more clearly, you know, the freedom that's, that's available to you as you've been able to let go of, of that idea of being, you know, a scientific guy as you've gone along. Yeah. So, you know, say what you will about Facebook, but it's a great way to test your stoicism, you know, as you're getting into conversations <laughs> with everyday people, um, because yeah, there's, there's, you know, a certain level of, you know, ignorance in the truest sense of the word, you know, ignoring the, you know, everything else around an issue, ignoring the nuance of a thing. Um, but you know, I would, I would kind of delve into these conversations and debates just based on the knowledge that I had, I, I, I eventually realized that I can have these discussions without really knowing all of the facts. You know, I've, 
be completely honest, I was a shy kid up to about, you know, 30 years old. I thought I had to have all the facts before I said anything. But it got to the point where I was like, well, I have all the facts that I have up until this point. And so that's got to be good enough. And then there's this there's this negative connotation with backtracking if you if you say something that's wrong. And there's this, there's all this you know anxiety related to that. And so it got to the point, though, where I was having these conversations online and, you know, in person and otherwise. And, you know, it was it was largely around, you know, we don't I don't want to go into details here. You know, it gets messy, but the whole covid thing and the whole you know, this, the state of the world and everything else. And it just gets to this point where not even like science in the pure sense, like the science of, you know, virology or anything like that, but just the questioning aspect of science and just the, the, the literary review of what's out there and things like that. Like, well, you know, all these people know what they're talking about because they're, they're experts and things like that. And it, largely that's true. Um, but it got to the point where I started questioning my own self and my confidence level with these different things. And that's when I started kind of ebbing into this area of nuance, like, well, you know, these people are saying this, these people are saying this, these people are saying this. And what ultimately it, it, they could all be true, you know? And so they're all coming at it from different angles. And it wasn't really until I connected that with the type of, I guess, scientific background that I have and the studies that I've done it wasn't until then that I realized, well, they're all just seeing a single blade of grass, you know? And so I had to put that up against, you know, the kind of conflicting ways that they sometimes will interact with each other. And the way that that also is viewed by the public based on, you know, what, what all is, information is out there and how it's interpreted and all these things. And so I, it was kind of a, this, this tumultuous, you know, churning in my brain of, you know, I got to the point where I just stopped altogether like it's not even worth talking anymore because you know i don't even know what i'm talking about and so that's that's where i started to kind of dive in deeper inwardly and you know question what do i actually know and turns out very little i know very little <laughs> i i can see things what's in front of me i can question things and i can get feedback but it gives you you know a tiny little hair sliver of of truth and reality and I love about scientific method is that, you know, it's this constant state of questioning and validating and all these things. And that's great. Um, but at the same time, there are pair, there's, there's areas within that that you find are unknown and are often, let's say written off as outliers or, you know, not included in the data set, let's say. And it got to be kind of looking deeper into things like that, you know, where you're on the fringes and you're kind of questioning everything that, you think you know, and then so not just within the scientific community, but outside of that, and just questioning even, you know, your own body, your own self. And so all those things kind of collided into this, you know, again, I just kind of stopped talking for a while because it was just too much. It's just, you know, trying to fit everything all into, you know, one little corridor and it just gets stuck. And so it wasn't until I kind of like slowed down, like, let's look at this one at a time and just kind of come out of it from that way. and. I think ultimately where it helped me in the end is that, you know, uh, I started seeing things in a way and developing my own kind of ways of thinking in the end of that, you know, before then I would say I was more so just, oh, I need to look at all the literature. I need to, I need to read everything that is known about this subject, you know, just to reply to this one random internet stranger. And so I would spend two hours researching something. 
give a reply and they would say something back like, nah, <laughs> it's like, what a waste of time. And it's like, it wasn't like, for me, I find it interesting. I find it fascinating. All the things that I learned from that. But at the same time, you know, I start digging in. It's like, why are they saying that? You know, it's like, what, what don't they understand? And so I started questioning outside of myself, like what perspective are they seeing that I'm not seeing? And so it was that kind of outside looking in time type of, you know, shift in, in perspective that helped me kind of look at things from this paradoxical standpoint of, you know, being right and wrong at the same time and things like that. And so that's anymore, like, you know, I've, I've kind of evolved my own way of thinking to question things and develop my own theories on things that I know are probably not true, but they're at least kind of a loose framework of when the new idea is kind of lobbed at me, like, oh, well, that kind of fits over here and, you know, evolves into this area. And that's where I love the conversations because it, it when I find something that I know absolutely nothing about, you know, I latch onto it. Like, I need to know more about this, you know, because that's a blind spot. Like, we don't know what we don't know. And so those, it was kind of this evolution from needing to know the truth to being okay with the unknown and being okay with the chaos and living in the chaos and being okay with that. And that translates to so many other things within your life. You know, it's not just knowing of the facts that are on the internet or in books or in people's minds. It's just being okay, not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. And so it kind of transcended just the knowing of things and into the actual being and living of things. If that makes any sense at all. Absolutely. It absolutely makes sense. And I think, and I'm going to try and piece this together. So I ask that you bear with me as I do so. Um, you were saying that you're exploring a paradoxical way of looking at the universe or existence or yourself or any of that. And I, I always kind of joke that, you know, it's always both and neither, always, regardless of what it is, it's always both and neither. And that can be very frustrating. But the reason I, I say that is because it lends more to the journey itself. You can look at both perspectives and get a bigger field of vision at, at the whole thing. And what I thought was really interesting, and I'm gonna try and tie the two of you together here, or rather the two narratives that you, you've been sharing with us together here. Um, what's interesting is that we were talking about the feedback loop, right? That you're out there and all of a sudden the community is like, yeah, and here's some more questions and stuff I'm going through. And you're like, oh, wow, yeah, no, okay. And, and, and you were saying that I don't think I could get here if you're not for them. And I think that's absolutely true, except it's the perspective of me versus them. You were saying like kind of on my own, but we're never on our own. The individual is the perspective. Right. And so as we let go of that, as we become more vulnerable and more authentic, all of a sudden now we're opening ourselves up to more of our intelligence being at play because it's being shared with the rest of us. So it's like synapse is finally connecting. Right. And so you look at that and then you look at the Jesus story, as Otto was saying, right, that that was really just a guy who's like, yeah, look at all this. But I don't think it was just the guy. It was the crowd around the guy all agreeing. It was a bubble of awareness coming to the surface in our collective. And I think that that's what this is. I think that's what we're a part of here is a part of another bubble of awareness coming to the surface. And this is why Otto, I, I liked what you said that, you know, despite leaving the priesthood, you actually went further into it. And, and, and yeah, everybody's a priest and everybody's not. And I get all that. But the fact is, when you're talking about a mentality, you're talking about the work, the grace, the, the humility, the surrender, all of that stuff. You're talking about aligning with the flow. And it's not a type of priesthood that anybody can bestow on you. Right. 
so I find it so very interesting that here we are, about as far from religion as possible, living what religion is trying to communicate or has been trying to communicate and kind of lost that it was doing so. I've joked that I feel like my life is something straight out of the Bible. And it feels that way. And so I just think it's really interesting that we're talking about all of our individual journeys, but it's pretty obvious that it's not an individual journey. Like it's pretty obvious all of these things are tying together. And I just wanted to say very quickly, I really appreciate how much both of you and Andrew, of course, but you don't get any credit because you do this all the time. Um, I just how much you've taken to this with enthusiasm, with clarity of mind, with a willingness to look at it. And I know my appreciation doesn't mean much, but as a part of you, let me just say kudos for sure. Well done. Um, on another note, I wanted to say, dudes, I, I was thinking that often when I think of science, I hear it's a search for truth. I, I think it might benefit us to say it's more of a long, hard look at how much the truth is. <laughs> if we'd stop trying to settle on an endpoint, perhaps we'd end up having more of an appreciation for the fact that this is a journey. And I think that we're just starting to understand a lot of the key parts of that journey. I think that's where we're getting to. And I think it's a result of this bubble of awareness. I think there are certain insights in science and spirituality, both that we cannot have with the perspective of individuality. I think we actually have to come together for those insights to manifest. Curious about your thoughts, both. So one thought popped into my head as you said that, like, what, if you look back at, you know, the great thinkers of, you know, back then, Einstein didn't come up with a lot of his theories pen to paper. It was a lot of, you know, thinking about things and, you know, meditating on it. And these thought experiments, like, oh, what if I was lighting, you know, writing on a beam of light? Like, who's, who thinks of that? Like, <laughs> but it was his way of visualizing and playing with it and having fun with reality. And then, like, everything else kind of, like, settled into place. But it's this, this play aspect that I think is really interesting. And that's where, you know, to tie it back to Otto, like, you know, we kind of gelled almost immediately, even though we come from different backgrounds. And it's, you know, I'll, I'll be talking about something science or whatever. And he's like, oh, you mean like, you know, I'm talking about toroids, you know, at one point. And I'm like, and he's like, oh, well, like, a, like a giant cosmic toilet. And then I had to think about that. I was like, well, is it? And, you know, instead of, in, instead of just immediately like dismissing, I was like, I wonder how that could be like a cosmic toilet. And then I was like, yeah, it could be. <laughs> and then so I went on this big rant on what that could mean. And it's just because you can't take it too seriously. You know, it's all just, it's, it's all just play. Yeah. And for me, I think that's the thing is I, I, I am naturally very playful and, and curious and just like, let's just, let's tear this thing apart and see how it works. And so and then I, at some point I came across a TikTok. I don't, I don't know that it's true, but I like the idea that like your brain can learn like 20 times faster if you're in a state of play than if you're in a state of kind of defensive protectiveness. And it makes sense whether or not the numbers are accurate. The idea that your mind is like open and you're just, you're not even necessarily consciously trying to learn. You're just engaged with your environment. You're, you're excited. You're enamored with what's going on you're naturally going to pick up a lot more nuance and little things than if you're like, oh, what's coming at me? What's going to get me? And there's all kinds of parables and koans that describe that. But, and I like even, you know, we, the word individual comes up and every time someone said it, I, I keep thinking of, I think probably something I shared with Brad is like, I don't, I don't feel like an individual. I feel like an indivisible, you know, I feel like we're, we're so, we're so interconnected. And, and even to the point that like, 
I mean, when we think about relationships, we think about the relationships, you know, a wife, a child, a friend, like, I mean, I have a relationship with people across the world that I don't know. It's a different kind of relationship. It's not a direct relationship that my mind could like cognate what is happening, but there is a relationship. There is an effect. I mean, the phone that I'm talking into was handled and made by people on the other side of the world, was designed by people all over the world. Like there's relationship happening. There's connection. There's things that you guys have said in a podcast that someone said to someone that someone said to do that do said to me. And there's an effect there. A long time I had this concept of like, well, I have no effect on the world. And it's like, yeah, maybe I have more of an effect now that I have 1,200 followers on TikTok. But even before that, like I have a conversation with someone and they have a conversation with someone and they have a conversation with someone. And it's not even that they remember that I was even a part of the conversation, even after phase one. But suddenly your ideas, like a, like a network of the Aspen trees that are all interconnected, there is an effect. So to try to like, to, to feel the, the, the separation psychosis or whatever, if you want to call it, um, so intensely that you have no effect on the world is, is just about as unscientific as, as anything else. You know, we have an effect. And the more alive and engaged with the world you are and excited to be alive, excited to connect, um, the more powerful and alive that connection will be. And even if, even what we consider a connection or a non-connection is still a connection. Even silence is a form of communication. It is a form of connection. It is a form of a relationship. So I'm, we're not individuals, we're indivisibles. And we're individuals, like, like they're perspectives of consciousness and all of that good stuff. <laughs> Both and neither. Yeah. 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 And, I, and that's what I love about, I, I was glad Dues brought up the language of paradox because, you know, we've been having some conversations back and forth. And, and to me, I don't even think of a thing as being or not being anymore. Like everything is ultimately a paradox. My mind just doesn't put things in fixed boxes here and here. It's just kind of like all these open containers of stuff just kind of flowing in and out. I hold it so much more loosely and whatever I think I am, I'm definitively also the opposite. I'm definitively also in some regard, the absolute opposite and everywhere in between and even beyond those concepts on either side of the spectrum that's just outside of my purview of how to measure. That's endless. Infinities and infinities and infinities. Oh man, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love I love the uh, that topic of relationships too because I haven't, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it in that way, I guess. And it's more clearly seen the more you let go of, of your idea of yourself, because that's really what it comes down to is, is cutting you off from all of the interactions that you have with, with everyone, your ability to see yourself and everyone and, and talking about, you know, the sound and the silence and the paradox of everything, like, you know, the sound can't exist without the silence. So it's intrinsically interconnected and with with the relationships even i see more clearly that like on the surface it doesn't matter so much as opposed like compared to our mentality that we're experiencing and and like on the surface ray and i about as different as it gets like we're we're very very far apart but our mentality is what connects us you know like i'm single 16 years younger live you know, was in New York for a very long time, like the most 
egotistical place probably in, in the world, whereas Ray lives on more of a remote island with a family and everything. And but it's our mentality that connects us and and our willingness to question everything we think we know or, or that we believe to be the truth and recognizing that it never is and yet it's okay and we can we can play with that and we can have fun with it and we can go about everything in this sort of playful manner and i think that's what it all comes full circle to is letting go of our our belief that everything is so serious like i really think that that is what a lot of this comes down to and it's it's cool to see that's what i love about both of your content is that there is always a playfulness to the videos and a lack of seriousness. And I like, I've learned a lot from, from both of you, because I think a lot of times people when they start to, and I've gone in and out of having, you know, a more egotistical idea of myself. And I've been able to let go more and more of that, but, you know, with being looked at in a certain way, sometimes you subconsciously attach to that and then you get caught up in your own sort of prison. And I got, I would get caught up in like this endless need to like grow my account because like growth is best and things like that. And then being able to recognize that like, Oh, I don't have to push every video to try and make it, you know, as fucking viral as possible. Cause like at what cost, at what cost does that come? It comes at my experience and my ability to enjoy the experience like it's always for that external purpose and that's never what it's about and as long as you hold on to that desire for a thing to be something for something else like you're missing the whole thing and and i think that's what it comes down to with the enthusiasm and and the ability to play and and learn through that is all it comes down to is doing it for the thing you know play is not for any motivation outside of the thing that you're doing and being completely and totally enthralled in the enthusiasm that goes with that. And more and more, I've been just in my own life, recognizing that and the importance and like, that's all it ever comes back to. We can go through everything in our lives and, and try and get to all of these places. But if you're not doing it for the sake of doing it, you know, what, what's it worth? What's the point? And then at the same time, get caught up in all that stuff too. Like, it, again, both and neither, like the paradox of it is like, yeah, you can go stride and and recognize some things through that and then come back. And and but it's all about that balance. It's not fully one thing or, or fully the other. And being able to fluctuate between them without resistance has been very helpful because it's it's that resistance that cuts you off from from all of it is thinking that one is better than the other or one should be done and one shouldn't be done. Where are you at? What are you focused on? What are you getting enthusiastic about? If it's about, you know, growing a business or working on something or, or you know, improving yourself, like go all in on it and then experience some consequences and come back to not, not trying to become something and just being where you're at. And it's always that balance. It's always that flow. It's always that recognition that there isn't anything you have to settle on. It's not one or the other. It's both at all times and, and follow where it takes you. And, and let go of your need to get anywhere or think that one is better than the other. Yeah. And, and it's interesting, Andrew, I don't, I, I, I loved seeing your content pop up. I, I don't look as much as I used to on TikTok, but you were popping up a lot. And, and I don't know if, if there's any recognition or, or recall. I, I mean, I, I can't even fathom the number of followers and comments you have, but like, 
at some point there was like a video and you, you, were, you were making a lot of videos walking through New York and, and maybe this was in your viral stage or something. And, and I remember watching your video and, and, and I made some comment. I was kind of just like poking a little, poking you a little bit. I didn't know if you even see it, but I was something like, I, I don't quite believe you. I, I, it was something like this. And, and I don't know if you saw it or not, or if it, if it pinged you in any way, shape or form. But, but what was interesting was then like, it wasn't too much longer. It was like maybe several days went by and you made this video and you were like, you were like, you know what? Like you, you had this kind of recognition. And like I said, I'm not saying it's connected, but it was like, I, I want to do stuff for myself. And I want to, I want to, you know, and it was really cool. It was like, oh yeah, I kind of, maybe I picked up on a little bit of that energy somehow. And it was interesting, but I've loved your journey into like, yeah, like being more expressive of, and like, yeah, like a little bit of forget the, the game, like the gamification of more followers or, or, or trying to, trying to speak to what I think will get volume, but but what's the, the, the cost of volume over like the quality of connection is like, like who cares? I'd rather have, I'd rather have honestly my 1200 followers and they're like, or not even followers, but friends and connections than like a billion people that are just, you know, just clicking just to click or something. And just because it maybe speaks to their ego or, you know, or whatever, you know, rather to have that fidelity of connection. And, and it was kind of neat, just like, oh yeah, there's, there was some little recognition and then you seem to have the same recognition or whatever. I don't know. It's interesting anyway. I, I wanted to actually comment on that earlier because you were, we were talking about the algorithm and, and how people just tend to get brought to you. And I, I always wondered to myself, how many of those people are the result of a ripple I sent out earlier in my life? All of a sudden their interests just happen to align that much farther later, right? In which case, what exactly are we referring to when we talk about the algorithm? Are we talking about TikTok at all? Because there's a lot more to it there, right? Like all of a sudden it seems like TikTok might be the only, only the, uh, the inner cog on that machine with a whole lot of other parts making it work. But um, back to what you were saying about followers, I, I get excited when I lose followers. I actually made a video about this at one point and it's because I know there was a whole bunch of people that were misinterpreting me. And now they're not. <laughs> and so typically that that's something I, I'm really happy about because of the people who stayed, because of the people who continue to, to question me, the people who continue to disagree with me, or at least just stick it out to have the conversation. There are numerous people on our discord that joined after arguing with me, sometimes for several days. Right? I love that. It's just being willing to do that. But as Deuce was saying uh, on Facebook, and I think Possibly the platform might have something to do with it too. Um, it really is finding the audience that wants to have that conversation, right? Facebook, it's difficult. You can go to a certain page, but even then a lot of people are just looking for that, that coat to wear. I'm a non-duality person, you know, I, I, I'm into Zen and it's like, oh, for God's sakes, right? But, or for my sake, uh, the point being is that there's so much more to it, but we're looking for people who are looking for the uncertainty, who want to question things and rip them apart. And so all we can do is be there doing it, right? Watch the other people flee. And, and I, I like to think fleeing people are an indicator to people like us. If we see people, see people running away from something, we naturally assume that should be good. And so we go towards it. So I think we're doing a positive there just by shining a light onto ourselves, as Krishnamurti said. It's just being indivisible. Also, as Krishnamurti said, I don't know if you know that, Otto, that uh, Krishnamurti actually said individual, the etymology is indivisible. And yet we're totally fragmented, right? I, I, if you get a chance, Krishnamurti, 
Absolutely. He, he's brilliant. And it's because of the very same thing. He wasn't settling on a concept. He never wanted to. It was just, we're weighing things together. I'm not teaching you anything. I don't want to be up here because that doesn't help any of us at all. But his whole thing was, you know, there's no conflict without I. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And, and I think for me, one of the, one of the things that I, I, I just came kind of played with around today is this concept of being willing to destroy concepts like, like that in a way, my first awakening, like the idea was like, here, lay yourself on this table and let's chop you up. And it was like, there's a natural resistance to that in many ways, you know, tradition in general. It's like, no, we got to, we, we got to put it on a, on a pedestal in a way for me, even much of the way that I look at now um, script Christian scripture or any scripture is like, when and how to destroy the, the idols that we've made out of good ideas. And, you know, it's a good idea to have a good image of yourself, but it's also a good idea at a certain point to be, to take it apart and rip it apart. And so this concept of this conversation I had with someone on TikTok that just befriended today, and it was, uh, I was describing this concept of, of being willing to do this. And and, and she was like, like, define it tighter, tighter, tighten it, come down with a word. And so I came up with the word, like, not, I didn't come up with it, but there's the word iconoclast, which is, you know, to, to tear, you know, to take apart the imagery or whatever, especially, I think that typically the term is like, you know, you're pushing against maybe the, the religion that has, you know, held you down or something like this and the imagery of it. But I kind of thought of it in terms of to add the play to the word, to, to, to create a new word was like, icono uh gasm of like like almost like loving uh loving the imagery so it's not like you're hating it and you're despising and you're tearing it apart it's like you love it enough to like let it go to 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 love it into bliss and like honor it like the beauty of andrew the beauty of dues the beauty of ray the beauty of otto like that instead of just like this like angsty angry oh you bastards kind of a negative uh idea of these icons like just like oh that's so beautiful the way that we've put you on a pedestal but now we're gonna play with you and throw you across the room and catch you and be more silly with you instead of this this like clinging angsty feeling towards towards beautiful ideas i mean i love jesus as much as the next person but like we put them on an on an eye and on we keep them on this uh pedestal in a way that like, we're not even listening to him say, like, greater works will you do than these and all of this kind of stuff where it's like, he's like, come out and play. And we're like, no, no, no. Keep them locked in the cupboard. And, and nobody, no, nobody recognized that they can do anything like this. It's like, come on, let's play. Let's dance. Let's heal each other. Let's love each other. Let's look at ourselves through self-examination. Let's let's dance. What the hell else are we doing here? Yeah, but we don't want to get Jesus dirty. We got to keep Jesus clean, make sure that, you know, we can stick him up here and show him to people. Look at Jesus. You know, he's perfectly new. Exactly. Unopened. <laughs> Still in the package, that kind of thing. But, but that's, that's just it. So coming down from religion and all that, but still very much in the vein of, of the algorithm, basically us being the algorithm. Um, dudes, this, this question is specifically for you, though. Actually, Otto, first question. Uh, do you have children yourself? I do. I have two children. Wow. Okay. So this is for both of you then, um, because I'm also a father. And I know, Andrew, that's not something that you have come to as yet, but it's 
it's not overly different than than you know interacting with humanity except that it's it's a human that came from you and then they know all your buttons and and they're watching every single thing you do you know not not what you're telling them but why you're telling them and where that's all coming from so there's a, there's a lot to learn from your children um for me I, I woke up prior to having my daughter uh by a good margin i think it was probably about six years and and, and so by the time my daughter was born I was just enthralled. I'm like, oh, here I come, here I come. And I'm watching all the little things that I'm learning again. And from that, remembering all of the things that I've already learned and taken for granted. I remember watching her like learn to use her fingers going, oh, I don't even remember doing that, right? Like stuff like that. Or like how, how long has the journey been? Um, that all in mind, I'm gonna start with you, Deuce, because I know you were talking about a recent uh, moment that you had with your child where they just expressed, you know, I do it because I love it, right? I do it because this is the feeling that I love and, and there's no other bigger reason. That's it. And, and so as a parent, do you find that your appreciation, not, not for having a child, but for yourself as a child and your child, do you recognize, do you, do you find that, you've, that you're kind of going back and forth between the idea of a father and all the responsibilities that go with that and just another human that's been here longer? Like, how do you find that influences your relationship with your child? Yeah, parenthood is one of those things that, I think we've talked about this in the past, but you'll come across people in the spiritual community that say, you can't, you can't have a spiritual awakening if, you're, if you've got kids. It's just, it's too messy, you know? You've already been invested, you know, you've got all this stuff. And I, I can confidently say that that is completely false um, because I had three kids by the time that I, you know, ever started questioning any of this stuff. Of course, I had questioning, questioned a lot of things before that, but, you know, just going about life, just, you know, living kind of on autopilot for a little while. Um, what I came to find, though, that was really interesting is once I kind of cracked myself open and started questioning, you know, whatever I am, it became a lot easier talk to my children and relate to them and empathize with the things that they're going through. And, you know, you, you kind of forget after a while how difficult being a child is and the emotions that, that come about as a child. And uh, emotions are one of those things that I could talk about for hours. But, you know, I think, I don't know, I just talked about this the other day, you know, like when you say happy, there's no such thing as happy. There is a contextual feeling in your body that is based on all of the inputs you have at that time, every experience you've had up to that point, the contrast based on when you were last sad, there's all kinds of different things. And it's like, you kind of, this word happy kind of pops into your head. But what I've realized as I've explored all these things and just watched my kids, you know, get upset and get happy about the silliest things. It's like, I look back at my own life. I'm like, wow, how did I feel in a similar situation? That feeling would come back. It's like, man, like, if it was, you know, a traumatic situation or whatever, it's like, man, that really sucked, you know, like being rejected by friends or whatever it might be. And so as I'm talking to my children, I'll, I'll, I'll ask them then like, you know, how does that make you feel? And like, what does that, what does that mean to you? And like, ask all these kind of more probing questions, just not only to get, get to know them better and kind of where their heads at, because two of them are girls, one of them is a boy. And so, you know, their, their, their minds are a little bit different and different ages and things. And so, what I've found is that it's been, you know, not only getting to know them, I've in a way been able to heal my own inner child based on this, again, this feedback loop, you know, 
So you get to know like how their brain works and it's like, wow, that's why this fucked me up so bad. <laughs> and it's like, you, you kind of realize like all these things that happened to you back then, like, you know, something as simple, like uh, as a grown up, one thing that we can do, you know, as kids are complaining about things like, oh, you know, Susie's mad at me because she said this. And then, you know, your daughter starts crying. It's like, it's easy to say, oh, you know, get over it. But it's like, if you sit with them, if you really understand like what was said, why did they say that? What, you know, what did you feel in your body? Like when that happened, like you can go back, you can identify things that you didn't even remember up until that point. Like, wow. I remember back in kindergarten, this kid, Kevin pushed me down on the playground. Like, and like all of a sudden this, this thing sparks in your mind. Like, wow. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like as a parent, like, I don't know the solution to this, you know, some, you know, some kids are assholes, but like there's, there's, this honesty that kind of comes about and oftentimes we try to just ignore things and just sweep it under the rug more so for our sake than it is for the kid's sake um, versus actually sitting with it and, you know, facing it head on. It helps, you know, both parties and just kind of, it, it's been interesting kind of watching and just kind of being on certain sides of TikTok with, you know, parents that are, you know, kind of really sitting down with their kids in this way and getting to know them on that kind of level and developing this relationship that, you know, they never had, and maybe they always wanted. And you start to look back at the way, you know, that you were raised, which could be a perfectly, you know, valid way to be raised. You know, I have no complaints at all for myself, but, you know, had I had this type of person in this particular moment, like it would have made that a little easier and it would have maybe led to certain insights that, like the butterfly effect, who knows what it could have cascaded into, you know, could have changed my entire life. And so as a parent, you start, you know, and just to be completely honest, you know, I think people get this false mentality that, you know, once you, you know, become enlightened, I don't even like that word. I hate that word. Um, you, you know, you never lose your shit, which is completely false. Like, <laughs> you know, you still have emotions. If you stuff your emotions down, you're doing it in a way that is, uh, you know, it, it hinders your ability to feel other emotions. You can't just stuff down anger and things, you know, it, it takes everything else with it. And so you have to allow yourself to kind of get absorbed into these moments, like lose your shit a little bit. Like, it's fine. Like, you know, but have that conversation afterwards, like, look, I'm sorry, you know, like, and be genuine with it. And, you know, at, recognize that you're still a human on this planet that feels emotions because that's our evolutionary, you know, bias. <laughs> that has been dictated from, you know, millions of years before, not to say that it's not your fault, but like you can, it's okay to feel things. And as you know, it, having kids, it's, it's, I don't know that I, and, and again, there's a great number of things that I don't know I would have ended up in the same spot that I am without. And having kids was one of them because it pushes you in certain ways and yeah, pushes your buttons and it, you know, makes you uncomfortable and it forces you to really kind of, like, kind of reconsider things. And, you know, you never think you're going to be the person that says, because I said so, but it's going to happen. Like, <laughs> and there's a reason for that. Uh, and you have to be okay with that. Like it's, it's, uh, could go on for, for quite a while on it, but parenthood for me is, is it's fun. It's play. It's yes. an excuse to play with Legos again. It's an excuse to, you know, be silly and crack dad jokes. And, you know, I think I, you know, I don't know that I would be doing these things. I wouldn't be as comfortable if I didn't have kids, you know? And so for me, I have to be not necessarily careful. I, I, I choose to identify as a father, you know? And then once the kids move on and they move out, I don't know what's going to happen, 
you know, obviously I'm still a father, grandfather at some point, but I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm okay with that now. I didn't always used to. Well, that's it. And that makes the difference. I mean, we grew up with a certain degree of, of not trauma, but we grew up with the habits of our parents or the people who raised us. We grew up looking at them as the template for humanity. And so that's where a lot of our initial structure came from. And now we're changing that structure as our children are exposed to us. So who's to say what the next iteration is going to be or what the next world they're going to create is and, and so on and so forth. And I mean, that's it. That's, that's again, the algorithm in motion. That's the change happening. It's just that we don't, we don't get to see where that's going. And I guess that's kind of the fun. Um, that all said, Otto, how about your thoughts? I don't know how old your, your children are or if they still live with you or, or uh, what your situation is, but I'm very curious to hear about your journey. Yeah, so I have now a six and a 10 year old and my firstborn was born in Israel. It's actually funny. My wife and I, we were, we were on the archaeology site at the time and uh, kind of I had this kind of awakening, whatever you want to call it. And, and my wife did too. Hers was different in a way, but uh, we were actually, we'd been using birth control. And interestingly enough, the, the brand of the condom in Israel that we were using was called, was called Control. And we literally at one point, we decided to open up the door and throw control out the window and let's see what happened. It wasn't like we were trying to have children. It was like, let's just stop trying to control what happens. It was really funny. And then, um, and then must have been right away that something was in control because very quickly there was a, a little one on the way and, and we just didn't even have a clue what we were doing. Um, and this beautiful being is suddenly there. And, and I just was, I was in utter ecstasy and, and my wife wasn't as much <laughs> um, having this child and, and, and being in this country. And, and it, 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 it was a beautiful story for her, but it was very hard. And she really didn't know what she was doing and I didn't either, but I, but I was okay not knowing what I was doing. And, and she was a little less comfortable with it in many ways, but it was, it was gorgeous. Um, it wasn't soon after that we came back to the States. Um, and eventually uh, my, my second daughter came along and, and that one was more beautiful. I actually, you know, we, that one we had in a birth center and I, and I caught her coming out of the womb and in, in a, um, in a big bathtub. It was this really cool experience. And, and, um, and they have been for me, definitely little gurus always pointing out to me where I'm, full of shit and they just have an innate ability to know that uh without even looking at you they know when you're full of it and i just love that and you know it, there's moments where you're like oh but then it's like oh you got me dang it all right let me go back to the drawing board here and let me come with some more genuineness and and i love it uh even even my connection with uh, my second daughter who's very very outgoing and playful like you know, she just really wanted to, to wrestle and to play. And I'd been kind of resistant because I had this idea of like, well, I wasn't even aware I had the idea that you're not supposed to be really kind of physical engaging. And, and, and finally I was like, all right, let's go. And, 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 and after I really played kind of rough and let her really get into me after this one point, I was like, oh, well, geez, maybe that was too rough. Maybe like someone driving by is going to call the, the authorities on me or something like this, you know? And and I thought, and maybe I went too far. Maybe I scarred her, this idea, like maybe I scarred her, you know, because I was so demonstrative and all this. And, 
and and she went off and, and she felt so comfortable. She was playing on her own. And then when she came back, she just snuggled into me like she hadn't in such a long time. And it was this really cool experience of like, just kind of just letting go, just, just relaxing and allowing the play to come as it wants to come. And, and, and from then on, we've just, we've made wrestle night, a regular part of our experience together often, um, both my girls and, and just a lot of different ways in which, you know, I didn't even, you don't even know you have hangups until something catches your shirt enough to, to finally like pull that off. And, We've just had a, a lot more fun um, the more I've kind of released. And, and same thing with Legos, digging out my old Legos. I had a, a, a Black Tron, I think is what they were called, set, like the full big base. And we built that together. And just watching them create and being creative with them, it's doing art together. I mean, so much like inner child healing and all of this. And yeah, they're definitely masters in their own right in many ways <laughs> well said well said that's that's amazing I'm, I'm glad that we we all share this sentiment of uh understanding that we kind of knew more when we started but we had to forget it in order to learn more about how lost we could get i think that's the point like my daughter's 15 now she's going into 16 and she's at a point where i kind of step back as the drama comes, as the friends are doing their thing and, and trying to self-validate and trying to pull her into it. And I let that happen. And then she comes to me in her own time. She's like, okay, I'm kind of noticing this. And can I get your perspective? And I'd like to think about it. And because she has that safe space, that's it. But if I was to go in there and be like, oh, don't, don't listen to that. Oh, what's happening today? Right? Like there, there'd be no room for her to grow right? It'd be growing under my guidance and my careful instruction, which is not growing at all, right? And so it's such a, a very tricky balance. But admittedly, the best teacher I've had in my life has been my daughter, just because there's so much that you just have to accept you don't know. And it's really, it's those moments of parenting where you're like, why can't you just see what I'm trying to, oh, right. Oh. And then all of a sudden you just deflate and the bridge is established suddenly where your kid's like, finally, we can talk now. And it's the funniest moment, but it's like that with everybody. It's, it's like that with everybody. And that's the thing that really taught me in life coaching and everything else was that just let go. Stop trying to get somewhere with these people. Stop, stop trying to get them somewhere. Just be with them and let them take you where they're going. And, and there's so much more that goes with that. And so I'm going to pass this over to Andrew because I know I just ranted for a little bit, but I just wanted to say as a parent, thank you both for sharing your experience with me because it's it's been instructive. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. feeling a little left out here, guys. Uh, <laughs> But uh, at the same time, grateful that I don't have kids because, you know, don't have that stable relationship with another person. So hopefully, hopefully there's none of them running around there, you know, but uh, <laughs> uh, all jokes aside, it, I, I find it interesting because you're talking about the the joy that comes from having kids, being with kids and, and sort of letting go of that role of those assumptions that you have about, you know, what they're going to resonate with. And before we were talking about happiness and the word happiness and how, you know, happiness is just a concept. It's just a word like happiness doesn't actually exist. It's, it's just a word. It's just a combination of feelings. And I feel like it's sort of what arises as we let go 
more and more of ourself, of our assumptions, of the way that we think things should go. And hearing all of your stories talking about, you know, a constant letting go of the way you think your kids are going to resonate with things or the best way to be a parent. It's like I'm seeing in your stories like more and more happiness arising and allowing it to be based on your ability to let go of your assumptions. You know, wrestle night, you have an assumption about that, you know, not being a thing that you should be doing for whatever reason, based on societal expectations or what people think, whatever, as you let go of those assumptions, you know, it's a, it's a really fun time. And like, it, it allows you to, to connect and whatnot. And so I just find that parallel to be super interesting and, and really cool. And, you know, just from my perspective, I see a lot of similarities being a child of parents, you know, and I have a pretty strong relationship with my parents. Like we've always gotten along pretty well and, you know, I don't have kids. So this is sort of the closest type of relationship that I could think of. And I think as I've been able to let go more and more of the role of, you know, being a child and their role being a parent, I've been able to see where they're coming from in a lot of different ways and seeing that, you know, we're both just reality trying to figure things out and they hold on to some assumptions and some roles at times thinking like every parent does to a degree and and being able to see that you know they're just doing their best and i think that's something that maybe not all kids ever recognize but eventually most kids begin to recognize like oh you know my parents i always thought of them as parents as these people way up here but they're just people who have been around for a little bit longer than i have they're just grown up kids and being able to let go of those labels and those all of those ideas and assumptions that come with those labels allow for more clear and, I don't know, cognitive communication between the two. It's no longer through this veil of, you know, the role that we're playing. And so letting go of those roles more and more, and especially it just comes naturally as you get older, you know, I'm 27 now. So it's like, it's a lot different than when you're 12 years old or, or five years old, the relationship naturally sort of transitions and, and changes over time. But I think, I think it's the case with all relationships. And we were talking yesterday on a, on a live chat, someone was Ray and uh, someone on it. We we're going back and forth a little bit about the recognition of belief and whether or not that's a necessity for reality and, and for living. And so I think as we let go more and more of, I, I think of belief as, you know, a role in a way. It's like an assumption we make that that veils us or cuts us off, or it's another layer between us and the rawness of reality that allows us to see ourselves and everyone and, and empathize with other people and have genuine connection as opposed to just the superficial connection that comes with, you know, playing the part in the proper way, believing that you are a certain role, believing that there's a right way to play that role or a wrong way to play that role cuts us off from the ability to actually connect and actually have that genuine experience. And so, you know, whether it's a child with the parent or a parent with the child or a friend and a friend or whatever it may be, me and my dog that's lying over there sleeping right now, like letting go of the assumption, uh, dogs different. Animals are a little different because you know there is she relies on me to feed her, and if I didn't do that, like, but I guess that's kind of like a child in a way too. But what I'm saying is, I think as we let go more and more of the roles in whatever situation that we're in, and, and thinking that there's a right way to do it, as if that 
could possibly exist in reality. Like, oh, reality has decided there's a right way to be a parent and a wrong way to be a parent. Like letting go of that assumption that it even exists allows us to experience that genuine connection, which is all we're ever trying to get to, but we're trying to get to it through doing it the right way, as opposed to recognizing that, you know, it's letting go of the role in itself allows for the right way to be expressed because it's always there, but it's the role that, that fails us. And so I see that with my my parents and my communication with them as I've let go more and more of that belief in the role that they're playing. We've had way more genuine connections and actually been able to learn from each other a lot more as opposed to me just like looking up to them as this all-knowing being, sort of like the way we look up to Sky Daddy and things like that. <laughs> I just want to say as a parent, Andrew, that uh, that's really encouraging. I just wanted to say that because, of course, we're we're all doing the best we can, kind of hoping for that result, that by the time they get out into the world and they're out there facing the shit, that they go, oh, right, you're not this person that I've kind of conceptualized. Because I've had moments like that with my daughter where you could see that, that gap suddenly dis disintegrate, right? You're not dad. You're just you. I just you know, dad's an idea. And, and so, yeah, you really hope that that's going to happen that as they get older, that relationship's going to grow. And so I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, both great job to your parents, but also, you know, that that's really encouraging. I'm really glad that, that you shared that. I know everybody who's a parent here is probably feeling pretty good about that as a whole. Um, we do have to wrap up because we are coming to the hour and a half point, but normally what I would do is I would ask our guest to share a tip or something along those lines to help people stay in the present, stay out of their self-concept, things like that. I'm not gonna do that today. In fact, what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna pass it over to Dues first, and I'm gonna ask, what do you have to share with us as a result of the conversation that just happened? Which part of the algorithm are you representing today? Yeah, I guess in general, the, the key takeaway is don't take life any more seriously than you need to, or that you choose to, I should say. It's a better way to put it um, because, yeah, being a parent, you, you get, you know, going back to that for a minute, what tends to happen is you, you, you need to have a certain role in sometimes when there's safety involved, when there's lessons to be learned that I'll flat out tell my kids sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll you know, snap at them sometimes about something that, you know, run, I'm making this up, but like if they're getting ready to run in the road, you, you know, you snap at them and you, tell them to stop and get in the car. We got to go blah, 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 blah. And it's not till later that I sit down and almost like break the fourth wall with them. Like, look, this is why I did what I did because I didn't have time at the moment to break this down to you, but let's have a 30 minute conversation on why you shouldn't do that. And it's like, you know, you almost have to recognize that I had to put on the dad hat for a split second because you're about to run into traffic. Um, now I'm putting on my human hat, you know, my friend hat, let's talk about it and let's learn from it. Um, and it's, it's kind of like this, you, you have to be careful not to fall into this pitfall of thinking just because, you know, nothing matters. You know, if you take the nihilistic standpoint that, no, just let whatever happen happen, you know, let it be laissez faire, like just let things happen. It's like, you don't have to though, like you can choose to kind of go in and out of it you know, to kind of guide which way you're going to go based on, again, what you've learned in the past. If something makes you feel uncomfortable and you feel like you need to say something in a moment, just say it. Don't feel like, oh, I'm enlightened, so I can't say that because that's going to make me look snippy. And 
you know, kind of an asshole. Like, if it needs to be said, then just say it. And if somebody thinks that way, then who cares? Like, ultimately, it doesn't matter. But if, you know, don't let that, that's almost a a limiting belief within a limiting belief, you know? And so, like, you just, there's there's so many layers, again, and so much nuance between the lines. And you just got to just make it up as you go along, you know? Um, and eventually you'll, you'll get to a point where you you'll realize you don't have all the answers. You'll never have all the answers. You, you could live to be 112 years old. You won't have all the answers, but you can live in a place where that's okay and be comfortable with that and just ride the wave, you know, let chaos ensue and just learn to surf, you know? And so there's a lot within that and just different lessons. And, you know, all I know right now is being a father and being the person that I am right now. And I'm sure there's all these different things that whatever I said in this entire hour and a half could be completely false for other people. And I recognize that. And so don't listen to me, like just figure it out for yourself. It's like, it's almost kind of a cop out in a way, but it's like, I don't have the answers. I don't know why you expect me to have the answers. If somebody tells you they do, they're lying too. Like you have to figure it out for yourself because there is no ultimate truth. Just, just be and you know do what you can with it and in general just try to have fun because you know if you you have the choice of you know enjoying yourself or being miserable i would choose to enjoy myself you know if the choice is to be had <laughs> and so that's directionally if that's if that's the vector that i'm pointing myself towards it's in general trying to have fun more so than trying to be miserable um but again i say that from also an entitled position and knowing this and having, you know, all the things that culminated into the place that I'm at right now. And so there again, I'm full of shit. So just, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you know, I, I, I'm just a guide, you know, I can tell you exactly what I have done and the consequences of which and how I would act in certain situations, but about it, you know, just what you can. Perfect. Absolutely. If this was volleyball, I'd say that's an excellent bump. Now, Otto, you set up the spike for Andrew, and we will wrap up this episode. Yeah. So for me, when Andrew was talking a few minutes ago, the the kind of idea that popped into my mind was like, we're looking for conceptless connection. Like many of our connections are concept based, like we're connecting through concepts. My idea of you can connect with your idea of me or our ideas. We're both this or that we're both buddhists we're both this that's why we connect and there's all this subtext as to that we can connect because our ideas are the same and for me it's like i love when we can get to conceptless connection i love when it doesn't matter what my name is it doesn't matter who you are i don't care where you are we're we're particles flying through the universe and it just doesn't really matter and it doesn't not matter it's all beautiful parts of our lives, but they're not absolute. And it, and it ties into that statement of like, words make wonderful um, servants and terrible masters. And I feel like that's, in a way, a lot of what these conversations are, is just how to get out of the concept, how to honor it and play with it and dance with it and juggle it, but not be so clinging to it that like for dear life, because it, it's like that, it's like the image of the, of the monkey trap where it's like they reach in and they grab a banana and then they never let go of the banana and they're stuck there. And I'm like, I'm like swinging from the trees going, come on, come on. There's, 
there's bananas up here, you guys, let go, just let go. Let's, we, we can play, we can have fun, come on. And so that's part of the, the sacred clown aspect of me. It's like, you know, just like dancing, eating, eating five bananas while you're sitting there holding on to your banana in the trap and come on, let's dance, you guys. I don't care if you're Andrew, not Andrew, Andrew and not Andrew, let's just play, I don't care. Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's a uh, fantastic way of putting it, man. And I resonate with that a lot. And the uh, connection, because I recognize that I'm you, is what it what it really comes down to. And that's how I felt on this call. I really feel like I'm just talking to myself. And I appreciate you, the way you put that, because that's how I see both of you. Like you guys inform me a lot with your content and the way you go about your lives and the things that you do, like it's really cool to see. And and you bring me back to center in a lot of ways because, you know, I, I'm getting better about not getting so caught up in all the, all the shit out there holding on so tightly to that fucking banana through the fence. But, you know, I'm learning as I go and, and you two are both massive parts of that. And so I appreciate you very much. And I'm, so happy that we got to have this conversation finally because i've been looking forward to it a ton and i genuinely appreciate genuinely appreciate both of you so much so thank you for taking the time out of your day to chat and connect with us and uh to our dear listener thank you again for joining us for roundtable number nine we look forward to seeing you in future episodes do remember that dualistic unity now has a movie review series the first episode was released uh, today and it's all about the movie what about bob star starring bill murray and richard dreyfus fantastic movie all about connection and getting past the concept of yourself so do check that out thank you so much for joining us please take care hi everyone